Hello, and welcome back to the ANA podcast. This is Ashley coming at you. <laughs> that was cringy. Um, I just wanted to give you a little background information on what you're about to hear. Um, so this is going to be the second part in our series on the education system in the United States. Maybe there'll be more episodes to come. Maybe not. We'll have to see. Um, but you're just going to be jumping right back into the conversation that we left off with. So it's going to feel a little choppy again. Um, but that that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> so we hope that you enjoy this episode and we look forward to talking at you soon. <laughs> yeah. Karen, I have one quick question for you. Yeah. What sorts of legislation or policies would you say um, would be helpful to um, would be helpful to teachers like yourself? So, um, thinking about like, if I could step side by side with legislatures, um, and making, making laws together, um, I think making sure the tax base, um, is just equitable funding for students across the state, um, and making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we're deriving it from tax sources that don't advantage one place over the other if you own a home or rent an apartment, right? Um, and making sure we're giving, um, we're giving extra funds to students who need extra funds, who need um, ESL services, um, specialized sports, um, you know, maybe have, uh, you know, uh, high poverty situations, you know, things like that. Um, because they do need extra money to get the supports they need to be successful. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, would love to see kind of funding with that show up. Um, I'd also like to see, um, I think in a lot of States, um, the response to the teacher shortage has been, okay, we'll lower the requirements to be the teacher. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, I'm like, let's keep those requirements good and tight. You know, it's, it's good to have, um, have those solid, um, and instead, like, focus on attractive ways to attract people to the profession. Um, you know, bolstering retirement plans, uh, keeping wages good, um, uh, student loan um, a- accessibility, help with that. Um, uh, things like that to help increase uh, kind of the amount of talented, bright individuals who go into, the, uh, into this field. Um, And then I think a third thing would be um, with legislation, even if they could institute um, more like more support money structure for mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of teachers drop out in the first five years because it's sort of a sink or swim mentality. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a question in just a minute about some advice that you have for new teachers. But I first want to kind of touch on um your idea for legislation about making taxes equal for um and like kind of redirecting funding from um school districts that might have a lot of resources um and income and those that might not have those sorts of resources um do you do you think that that is kind of like a 
Would you say that that's sort of like a Marxist ideology, like giving, like taking from the rich and then giving to the poor? Like, what what's your opinion on that, I guess? I don't think that has any Marxist ideas because the idea would be taking it from a local tax base to a state one, right? And there's already state sources of funding per student, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be like rich to poor, but currently we tend to give an equal amount of money from, uh, per student, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if the needs of the student are very greatly and how much is required to properly educate them, right? I almost think it's more, um, more, I get, like, it's more false to give everyone, like, an equal share of the pie, right? Right. If, if like, their needs vary greatly, right? And so, for me, it's almost more um, unequitable to, like, just be like, okay, everybody, everyone's getting a Band-Aid, you know, and you have somebody who has, like, a huge leg wound, you know? <laughs> yeah, internal bleeding, yeah. Um, and so, and so... The thing is also, if it was more of a, a state tax than a local, like property-based tax, um, it wouldn't be stealing from anyone. You know, it wouldn't be taking money out of a community and like putting it in a different one. Um, you know, it would be the students of the state going to the state public school system receive uh, receive funding and supports for that. So. Um, and, and I also think that areas that have more wealth inherently, you have PTOs, you have boosters, your voters are more likely to vote for bonds and things like that, which add extra money into the school system. Um, things like that. Uh, inevitably, if you want to put extra resources into your community, it's not like um, they're just going to pick them all up and, and take them away, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's simply the, the base tax level, not those additional features there, which would honestly help our students in rural and urban schools as well, too. Um, thinking about schools like um, in very rural areas who require much more transportation costs because they're driving kids all around, you know, to uh, pick them up even an hour away, you know, um, that's a huge transportation cost, you know, that they have, a, you know, a smaller, more diffuse population. So mm. things like that. So so that's more of um, where I'm coming from. I definitely think when it comes to money, you're absolutely right that people have a lot of strong opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should be mindful of people who who would uh, be concerned you know, who would be concerned about that. Um, And ultimately, that's why our funding models don't change, because most Americans, when you survey them, are willing to discuss changes to the education funding model. But then when push comes to shove, they don't want to do anything. So it's a good point. I that that was really good, Catherine. Thank you for that. Yeah, I again, like, when I when I look at that, and like, all the the mess that like the funding is in the education system and everything my mind just immediately goes to the federal government and how i wish that they would just get their like hands off a little bit <laughs> because when we try to we try to do everything so equal everywhere but the what's 
what's going to work in California is not going to work in South Dakota. You know, like it's not, these are two different, very, these are two areas with very different populations, very different demographics, very different needs. And so for the federal government to say, oh, it needs to be like this across the board. I just think that's so silly. And I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly how funding works because I don't. Um, And I, I do think that states do have a pretty, they have a nice, say in what goes on in their systems but I think they could have more and I think when when we allow people that know their people to make the decisions things often go better um I don't know I guess that was kind of tangential but (laughs) yeah well um I think um education has sort of um it's when you think about the 10th um, 10th amendment i believe um which it, it talks about all powers like not stated are reserved to the states um education sort of falls under that you know um but yet the federal government sort of through financial incentives has extended its role into education yeah now, you can say that's good you can say that's bad i guess that's a, another topic we could dive really yeah deep into. <laughs> um but uh but that uh, that's that's sort of an interesting discussion there yeah I guess kind of pivoting a little bit I'll get to um, my question about your advice for new teachers in just a second but Catherine I'm really really curious so um, I kind of want to hear and for our listeners too um, can you kind of go into your story of how you became a Christian um, and then how that now as a science teacher um how that's affecting you as a christian in the science field uh yeah for sure so i grew up going to church i would say pretty regularly um that was kind of like my one area uh where religion was introduced to me it wasn't really a part of my life outside of that um and uh, I would say I was like a Jesus fan, but not a Jesus follower. Um, like, Ooh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> so I would, I would pray, but at the same time, I would hold beliefs that were contrary to bu- the Bible, you know? Um, so kind of like that in the middle. And, but God was drawing me to himself closer and closer, um, despite my own choices. And, um, in college, I kind of felt the impulse to join a Christian group, uh, despite kind of being in this gray zone. And so I joined the Christian group. And there was the first time, like, really, the focus was on the Bible and not on like, a, a pamphlet you were given, right? Or mm-hmm. like a book of common prayer, which, believe me, I'm not denigrating any of those things. They're, they're perfectly um, useful tools, as long as the Bible is is your main source of information, right? So I read the Bible and I was exposed to verses like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, And that was a reminder. I was like, oh, so Jesus isn't a like all paths lead to lead to heaven, right? That's not a belief he holds, right? He's like, you're in or you're out, you know? And so I decided at that moment that I was in, I believed, um, and so I really feel like scripture, uh, was a big portion of saving me. Um, so yes, so I, I love, love the Bible. Um, and so I grew as a Christian, had, you know, my bumps and, and journeys along the way, as you learn, you know, 
what does forgiveness mean? Um, what does grace mean? Like, why are we called to sanctification? Why are we called to holiness? You know, um, things like that. That was a lot of stuff I sorted out. And um, I eventually got baptized in 2020 as an adult. So, oh, yes. congratulations. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was awesome. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I've in a great church down here in Indiana, um, uh, High Rock Church, um, and in a wonderful small group and just being poured into and uh, just surrounded by Christian community. And I love it. <laughs> wow. So, awesome. Uh, yeah. Anya, didn't you get baptized recently too? I so. did. Yes. <gasps> Anya, when? Um, I think I'm trying to remember. Was it in June or July? Question mark. <gasps> wow. It was so like, awesome. It was like within the past like six months or so. <gasps> oh wow this what a good deal this is, <laughs> this is so fun what um but Catherine so what's been the most difficult thing for you as a Christian in the science field so then you you became a Christian yes. and then you became a teacher and yes. you decided to become a science teacher of all things yes. yes so and a lot of arguments are that um Christians and science and having a biblical view of science, like science and the Bible can't be together at all. Um, what would you, what would you say to those people or what, what's your opinion on that? I guess. I, I think that's great because it's such a misconception and there was um, a scientist, his last name was Bragg and he won a Nobel prize in physics. And he said, Christianity and science are opposed like my thumb and my forefinger are opposed. Ha. Together, I can grasp everything. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. Beautifully said. <laughs> um, so I've always thought that was a great quote. Um, you know, God gave us minds to reason and it's not a bad thing to want to reason and understand the world around you that God made, you know, and that God is still active in, you know, and um. So that, that is where I start. And, and then I also acknowledge that science and Christianity are more alike than we think. Mm -hmm. uh, our society kind of tries to live in a post-truth world. Like there's no such thing as truth, right? Um, I have my truth. You have your truth. You know, they have their truth, right? But the reality is, well, you know, there's some things you can have your own personal opinions or beliefs on. Fundamentally, there's a lot about this world that's true or not true, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think science and Christianity, like, weirdly to some people, right, line up in that, that same viewpoint, right, that there's truth. And, mm -hmm. and that truth is knowable, you know, and, um, and so, so that's another basis there. Um, I think in the science field, you encounter a lot of, uh, a lot of attacks to faith, um, things that are perceived as attacks to faith because they cause you to have questions. Questions aren't bad. And honestly, a faith is alive and active when you daily deal with questions and you choose to be faithful in my sense. Um, 
And so that's the biggest thing as, as a Christian in the science field is I don't interpret ideas from the scientific community as, as attacks. I interpret them as ideas that people have tested with evidence and they're proposing it as an explanation for the world. Mm-hmm. And we, as true scientists, are here to consider that, evaluate that, and, and move forward in that. And, but I do think it, it's just, it's easy. I mean, like, it's easier to just, you know, insulate yourself from questions, right? Um, you know, but just because it's easier doesn't mean it's, it's the right thing to do. And, and so I take a lot of courage in that I face a lot of questions, but facing those questions keeps my faith alive um, and really makes me deal with it a lot more honestly. Mm-hmm. Wow. You are so articulate. That is, that's, wow. <laughs> that is so good. And it's, I, my goodness, my brain is like, <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity or something right now. This is like, I can't with this. Um, Man, that is, I'm going to be chewing on this conversation for a hot second. This is amazing. <laughs> Catherine, thank you for that. Low key, I think both of us, Ashley, are gonna come back and like re-listen to this. Oh episode. yeah, oh yeah, and I will. We might even have to like do a follow-up episode. I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm breaking the sucker into two parts. We're we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're over the hour mark. This is amazing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, okay. Back back to the task at hand. I have a question for both of you that I'd love to know. Before entering into this field, what was the biggest mis- misconception that you had about the public education system or being a teacher? Anya, you want to grab this one first? Sure. <laughs> um, well, let me think. I I really believed that teachers can't be true to themselves. And like as a Christian teacher, especially um working in a public education system um, that generally speaking doesn't really approve of Christian views or a Christian worldview. Um, What I've learned is that you can apply for a job and realize that, you know, the school system that you're working for might not be for you. Um, There are plenty of, Um, education um, systems that you can work for as a Christian educator um, that are not just public education fields. Um, Mm. I love and respect Catherine you so much. Um, I think what you're doing is you are on the front lines of battle, my dear sister. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. You are dealing with a lot of the hard issues right where you're meeting. It's basically where the rubber meets the road. Um, and it's not my calling, um, as a teacher, I think personally, um, for me as a teacher right now, it's in the home, like with Mm -hmm. my, my kid. So, and that looks very different (laughs) every day of teaching for me is very, very different, um, than, um, than Catherine and even eventually Ashley, when you get out into the field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a misconception. You have to go to a public school when you graduate as yeah. a Christian teacher. You don't have to. There's so many different kinds of teaching jobs. 
Um, and it's okay to, especially when you're such a new teacher as well, to shift school districts, you know, if it's not working for you or um, if you're just not vibing, like it's okay to, it's okay to make a change. So what's, um, what about you, Catherine? So um, I just want to take a minute to just uplift Anya uh, here with a Bible verse that oh. came to mind here. <laughs> um I was just thinking of um, in Proverbs 31, where it says her mouth is full of wisdom. Kindly teaching is on her tongue. She is vigilant over the activities of her household. She doesn't eat the food of laziness. Her children bless her. Her husband praises her. Many women act competently, but you surpass them all. Mm. And I just want to encourage you that teaching um the teaching of your children is so fundamental and important and you're doing a great job so i just want to thank you (laughs) retweet (laughs) so we're all just gonna spend this entire time just hyping each other up for real you guys i'm crying right now that was so beautiful (laughs) thank you Catherine. you're welcome Um, i think it's really especially for stay-at-home moms i think you can get into this rut like oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Like, I'm just teaching my children. Um, but I think that's a lie. Oh, yes. It's such a lie. Um, and I am definitely guilty of believing it, for mm. sure. Um, and people, you know, trying to shame stay-at-home moms. Mm. Um, I think vice versa can be true as well. Like, stay-at-home moms are very capable of shaming working women as well Mm -hmm. and I think that is something that needs that is wrong that is you know everyone is in a different stage in life and um like what's working for certain families is you know what's working so ultimately I think in my opinion the bible is very clear that um, when women have children, they need to be home and teaching their children. I think the, the Bible is very clear about that. Um, however, Ooh, hot take. <laughs> however, um, you know, if you're working and providing, if you're a woman out in the fields working as well, um, that is just as important work as being home. So, um, yeah, that's something that I'm very passionate about as well everyone's in their own stage in life. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that speaks well to vocation. Like the Lord has Mm -hmm. gifted us each differently. And um, the way that you raise your kids, Anya, and the way that you faithfully live out the vocations that he's given you right now. And the way that Catherine, you are living out your vocations. And once you have kids or if you are going to have kids, um, how that'll look like too. And raising your raising your like there isn't a prescribed model there's biblical principles and there's things that are prescribed but there's so much there's so much freedom in that and I think that's something that is just it's so beautiful because I though I don't know it's just once you understand the freedom that comes with Christ and the ways that you can you can be a Christian yeah um through how he's gifted you if that makes sense you can you can live out the gospel and you can love others and you can shine for Jesus in whichever, whichever, like wherever you are is just so cool. Like literally Catherine, you're this big science girl going to NASA, going to like all these different things. And 
you're so faithful to living out his call for you. And Anya, you're at home with little your little baby getting to faithfully raise him up in 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 the Lord. And it's just that's just I don't know, you guys. This is so awesome. This is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. Should I send a tissue from uh Michigan? Yes. In, a, in an envelope. Please, please. Yeah. Okay, Catherine, back back to you. What what was your biggest misconception about being or being a teacher or the public school education system? Um, wow, that's that's a really big question. <laughs> um, I think my biggest misconception was how much power has been taken out of the schoolhouse. Mm. Um, I had this idea that like teachers had all the control in the classroom and that principals had all the control at the school level. And of course, there was like district and state stuff, right? Like, of course, but I was like really thinking that a lot of the decisions like could be made by the you know principal and staff of the school and getting there. It's like it's not, you know, Mm -mm. I mean, Um, and so I think that was the biggest misconception. And um, now, like evaluating it, it's like the school community and interpersonal relationships between the staff and parents and students and stuff is just one facet of trying to make change in education which could involve district state um national like it's just like all these big pieces of the puzzle um so i i i understand on a deeper level why change is is difficult Mm -hmm. uh uh, not that we shouldn't pursue change, we should still pursue things that are difficult, but I understand more being being a teacher now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you think, um, Catherine, to kind of follow up with that, do you think that some of that responsibility needs to be taken back by the school district, by the administrators, and by the teachers within the classroom? Um, I would say absolutely, right? I think that like there's a role that a state and federal um, like in a district can provide. Um, Of course, you know, it's always helpful to band together on certain big things like transportation or, you know, funding or things like that, because those are just big issues. Right. But when it comes to curriculum, what students are learning, you know, discipline, even things like that. Like I think um, Ashley said it earlier But she said, like, things just go better when, like, people who are local, like, get together and talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that would also lift up parent voices and and make them feel like they're more involved if they knew that when they went and talked to the principal and teachers, it could be really a conversation and and it wouldn't stall, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So good. Um. I know my biggest misconception, even though I'm not, I'm a pre-service educator. Um, I have done some subbing and obviously lots of practicums and things like that. But this is going to sound so stupid, you guys. I had no idea how hard this field is. Like, I <laughs> had, not stupid. I, this is <laughs> no, like, not at all. I, okay, this is going to make me sound like a horrible person, which, okay, yes. No, but I, not. like, no. part of the reason I picked this career is because I thought it'd be easy. You guys, I was wrong. I was so wrong. And I'm just like, I cannot believe, like, I, I don't know how anyone teaches. Like, I genuinely don't. Like, this is hard stuff. And it's like, there's so much prep work that goes into it. There's like, you're in a classroom and it's like running a three ring circus sometimes. 
And I'm just like, I have so much more respect for all the men and women who educated me in the public school system and in college now and my former school than I ever did before. And if I don't know if any of my former teachers are listening to me, but I'm so sorry for what we put you through. Like (laughs) genuinely anyone that's an educator, I have so much love for you. And just like you girl, you, you go, you go. It's, it's just the, I don't even know. Just there's so much work that goes into it. Mm Yes. And I think that's also a misconception that a lot of other people have like, Oh, teaching is just an easy job. Like they don't need to get paid more (laughs) girl. (laughs) Like Yes. I don't know. Sorry. I'm, I'm, a, no. I'm not that as could articulate be a whole, as you, Catherine. That could be a whole other side tangent about how um, teachers in other countries are paid just as much as doctors. Yep. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, Damn. and I don't think you're, you're alone, Ashley. I, I think like there's this perception that like you get like, Basically, if you add up all the breaks in summer break, you get three months off a year, you know, you end at 3 p.m., you know, Mm. anytime your kid's school is out, you're going to be out likely, you know, things like that. Like, and and all of those things are true. Those are great perks of the job. But, um, but just because you leave physically at, at three doesn't mean that there's not like teacher confession moment right here. I have 200 assignments to grade right now. Oh, oh no oh that makes me want to throw up so <laughs> but if you think about it I have 120 students so if they do like if I even like take a night off of grading right that builds up to basically 200 right so oh my gosh like <laughs> it's it it's it's surreal like so yes I'm exiting the door at 3 p.m you know I mean but if I truly did do nothing until I walked in the next day, like that would be some serious, serious stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. For but, real. Yeah. I hate to take this in kind of a more serious direction, but um, recently I've been noticing this trend across the board of, um, and I want to get your, both of your opinions on this. I've been noticing a lot of teens, um, specifically, I would say middle schoolers and high schoolers, and unfortunately, some elementary, um, have been really negatively impacted by social media. Mm. Um, and Catherine, I just want to get your, um, your eyes and your brain and your opinion on what effects have you seen um, in the past few years of you being a teacher of um, like phone use and social media? What's been the effect on, um, on teens? So I think the biggest effect is that um, they're never off, right? Mm. They're, they're never off. So they're constantly being pinged, notified this, that, that, you know, like, constantly right and I think it takes like I think they said something and and I can't quote the source on it so as a good scientist would say treat this fact with with skepticism right but I read somewhere where it said like it takes like your brain like 25 minutes to calm down from like a phone call from the stimulation of that so imagine someone who's getting 500 plus notifications a day Mm. like 
is their brain ever entering into a restful state, you know? Mm. And I think about like, can real life compete with virtual life? Um, you know, is what's like boredom is such a powerful creative force, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For driving people to do things, try new things, go to clubs, make new friends, like things like that. And, and I'm not going to like totally downgrade technologies had a lot of great things. We're, we're using technology right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but I do see stuff where it's like they're just never able to to take it take it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes everything and turns it constant constant, right? Like you never leave your schoolwork at school, you know, like mm-hmm. it you your uh, it's it comes home with you. You don't yeah. leave bullying at school. It comes home with you, you know, um, just remembering the the tragic um tragic uh suicides i've heard about yeah. you know where social media has been a prominent factor in that mm-hmm. you know um the bullying can follow kids pretty uh pretty far and it can make them feel like there's no escape you know yeah. and and that's that's a very very sad thing so um so yeah i can definitely see that where uh i see students um, feel a little bit more anxious, you know, and, and a little bit like they're constantly tied to their phone because what if they miss something, you know? Yeah. What, um, what do you do in your own classroom with, um, just phone use and stuff like that? Obviously you're in high school, so it's a little bit different, but what's your own, what's your school's policy and what's your own classroom policy for phone? So, um, our school administration is great and they really try to support teachers. Um, and their policy is that they will support whatever a teacher does in their classroom with the cell phone policy. Ooh. So if you give them a discipline consequence, they will carry it out, you know, because they want to support teachers. Um, my personal um, philosophy is that I've done a little bit of very skimming research, but even from the, the, little research I've done, I've noticed that students who have cell phone use in class tend to have a full letter grade lower than their peers wow. who don't have their cell phone. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty, pretty crazy. And and even think about it. If you're on your cell phone constantly, are you able to, uh, you know, relax and listen to a music piece, engage in a discussion, think about an algebra problem? You know, it, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Um, And so what I do is I welcome all my students to class, have them sit down, and then I put a timer on the board and I give them one minute of cell phone time at the beginning of class. Mm. Then when that minute is up, I say, okay, kids, um, our one minute of cell phone time is up. uh, Let's put our cell phones in the backpacks. So they they then put their cell phone in their backpack. So it's not uh, on them. You know, it's in their backpack. Um, which helps because if it's on them, like it'll be constantly buzzing still right in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, then I remind them, like, if I see your phone out, um, when I've told you to have it in your backpack, I will either take it up to my desk or if you refuse to have me take it up to your desk, you can take a referral down to the office. Mm. And then at the very last five minutes of the class, I give them the last five minutes to use their phone. 
Um, and we have around 60, 65 minute classes. So essentially I'm exchanging six minutes of instructional time for 60 minutes of uninterrupted time. Um, and the, the policy works great and kids say they like it because they, Mm. they they wouldn't have done the they wouldn't have done it themselves if I hadn't made it, made them Mm. do it. Um, and I think that's, that's something for teachers. I would encourage teachers to do, um, because kids are, kids are young and expecting them to self-regulate on a highly enjoyable, I would venture to say addictive device, um, that's just that's not developmentally appropriate you need to Mm -hmm. step in as the adult and provide a structure and so that's what I do and every now and then I collect a phone or two but at you know at this point it's it's usually a phone or two um and uh it's not really that many people people understand the policy and honestly every now and then when I grab a phone now um students are like well, she told you, you know, that's the policy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, yeah, that's a wonderful, I love that they get a little, so they know when it's like coming, but you don't let it interrupt your whole class period. That's lovely. I, um, I think one thing that has just struck me is like, like you were just saying, students cannot be off their phones. Um, I'm a mentor in my church's youth group or a youth mentor or whatever. And it's like the students cannot put their phones down long enough to listen to the lesson. And it's, it's just like, it's so interesting to me because we are addicted. And I, I think I did some research on the effects of not research. That sounds way too professional. I did a little bit of Googling (laughs) Um, on the effects of technology or whatever. And one thing that I found found out that was really interesting to me that is when your phone is is in your line of eyesight your anxiety levels increase but as soon as it immediately when it's outside of your um, vision or it's put away somewhere your your anxiety levels plummet and so I just think that it's so interesting because like there's this epidemic of anxiety and depression and all these other things um in 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 gen z and whatever generations below that and and we're we're sitting there scratching our heads like what's happening like why is all these like why are all these things going on like we have no idea and it's like well I'm sure the con- a contributing factor is that technology use and I'm not trying to sound like an old bag that's like oh these, these kids and their technology <laughs> but there has to be a correlation there just has to and so I'm I I really do think that the tide might be turning a little bit where people are starting to wake up to the the ills that technology can bring. And I think, I think of um, one of the verses in, is it Ecclesiastes where it says there's a time for everything. Yeah. And that general principle, like there's a time for everything to use technology to the glory of God and <laughs> to engage in recreation, but n- not all the time is the time. And so I think we might be waking up to that. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I would say, very true and I think um for any of the listeners curious about that that's Ecclesiastes 3 1 through 8 if you want to meditate on um this uh 
thing about there being a season for everything and a time for every matter. Mm. Um, um, I think that kind of goes and sorry for jumping in. No. Um, I think uh, something that I'm very passionate about is uh, kids being exposed to things online that mm. are not developmentally appropriate for them. Yes. Um, especially on social media and um, other websites that are just not appropriate for kids. Yeah. Um, I think I'm very passionate about this, obviously. Uh, I think for me personally, um, I'm, I would not get my child a phone until, you know, they absolutely need it. Um, I think a lot of kids nowadays robbed of a childhood mm-hmm. you know they're sitting inside on a phone and I'm definitely Ashley I have no shame in calling myself an old fuddy-duddy I'm <laughs> old fuddy-duddy at heart like I'm like I'm such of the opinion that I think that you know they need to be outside and mm-hmm. um working with their hands and running and jumping and climbing and um yeah yeah age um and then when it's appropriate when you know a kid starts driving or um they're in sports where they're out of town with like the school on the school bus then you know um that might be the appropriate time to step in and get them one but in my personal opinion um I just see so many kids at such a young age having cell phones um and I just think it's taking away from their childhood it makes my heart really really sad um but because I think for us specifically, Ashley, Catherine, and I, um, I think we can all attest that technology just exploded in our generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we we remember not having any technology. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then suddenly then there was, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, because um, it just exp- it exploded so rapidly. Um And so for us as teachers now, like wrapping our brains around how, wrapping our brains around um, the fact that some of these kids are just growing up with it and they don't, they don't know a life without it. Whereas we are like the last generation that does. Yeah. So. That's so true. And, oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no. You you go ahead. Um, I was just going to something that popped in my brain that when both of you are talking is just like their young people's inability to self-regulate be- like that's the- how their brain is. And that's like, we recognize that and that's just how it is. Um, but, but to be giving a child a phone with unlimited access to anything in the world while they can't self-regulate, like, like you were saying on that sounds absurd. And we, we wonder, like, I found out that the, this is, maybe if you're having children listen to this, uh, turn their ears away. But the average male sees porn for the first time at 13 and one third years old. So, and, and we wonder why that is like, they have this phone and like, just think of the things that you've accidentally seen without even trying to, you know, like, yeah. and so to give these kids unlimited access and say, yeah, go into your room with this phone like no wonder why we are having so many problems and I don't know that was kind of a tangent but I was just thinking about the connection between self-regulation and giving a child unfettered access okay Mm -hmm. you can bring your kids back into the room now (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. I think, um, you know, we're biologically designed by God to seek out new experiences, you know, Mm -hmm. to seek out things that interest us and pursue them more. Um, And that cell phone technology and social media, and, you know, you've seen like Instagram being brought before, you know, uh, the legislative branch Mm -hmm. with regards to this, sort of taking advantage of, of those, you know, and, um, and so it's just, it's, it's hard. And, and I agree with you. And I think this is an important area to really, as Christian parents, like pray and consider deeply about, um, as Anya's doing with her, her family, Mm -hmm. um, like it, it is access to anything, you know what I mean? And uh, you just have to have a lot of discernment on that and um, really think like, does, does the enemy need to attack you if he can distract you? <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, um, so many good one-liners. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I can but, see an Instagram post now yeah i know that's what i was thinking (laughs) okay sorry anyway but essentially um that's that's the core of it right yeah you know i mean um and and that's why like technology can be used as a really great tool but um i think we would be lying to ourselves if we said that like every middle schooler who has a phone is like conscientiously thinking about how to use (laughs) this super well right yeah so, um, so again, yeah, this is where mom and dad, like, they just play a huge role. Like if mom and dad have great conversations, if they guide, they teach, you know, they support, you know, they hold accountable, mm-hmm. like this can be such a positive experience and it can be such a parenting opportunity to step side by side with your kid rather than you know, one extreme of just giving them the phone and walking away and the other extreme of like locking them out, you know, until they're, you know, out of your house completely. Mm. So um, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. And I say this with all the humility of being somebody who doesn't have kids. And I acknowledge that um, you're a perfect parent until you have kids. Right. So yeah, 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 really. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, so this has been like an hour and a half conversation. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe we should wrap up and then yep. um, we could maybe figure something out for, cause I know we still, we could talk about this for like 2000 hours. Yes. Um, I just, um, I have a few more questions um, that maybe we could quickly run through and then kind of wrap up the episode. What do you think, Ashley? Sure. Okay. Go for it. Um, Catherine, just a few more questions for you. So what resources uh, would you recommend to teachers and parents um, with children in public education? Say, um, I'm imagining that a lot of our audience is mostly, um, you know, parents and maybe author teachers that are Christians. So what sorts of, um, what sorts of resources do you like and that you recommend? Um, this is going to probably be a cop-out answer, but um just make sure that like you continually come back to the Bible, 
come back mm-hmm. to it by yourselves as parents. You come back to it with your child as you walk through the public education system. The great thing about public education is you encounter so many experiences and so many ideas and so many different people. And if you're prayerfully walking through the Bible and like saying like, oh, they discussed that. Let's discuss this with regards to the Bible Mm -hmm. as you go along. That's such a powerful learning opportunity. You're you're acknowledging the experience and you're taking it back to the Bible and you're setting a precedent for your kid to do the same when they encounter things in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so just hyping up scripture. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Soli Deo. Love it. What's the, oh, scriptura. Sola scriptura. Sola yeah. scriptura. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, a couple more questions. Um, I'm going to quickly run through again at uh, Catherine and Ashley. Uh, any advice for new teachers? Uh, find find your supporters. Find your mentors as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Find the people who are going to give you encouraging words, who are going to uplift you um, in the school environment specifically um, and also outside of the school. It makes a light, life and death difference to the quality of your career um, mm-hmm. and things like that. I can't count how many times my wonderful mentor has has just steered me in the right direction, given me great advice um, and support. And I can't count the many times that my uh, friend, Christian friends have just prayed for me and um, just uplifted and bolstered my spirits to just keep doing the work I'm doing. Mm. And um, funniest story? <laughs> <laughs> funniest story. Um well, I did pull an April Fool's prank on my students today. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> let's hear it. Okay, so we're learning about human blood types. Um, you know, so <laughs> humans have different blood types, you know, A, A, B, O, you know, B. Um, and so we were learning about blood types, and they were having to fill out kind of like those Punnett square sheets to practice problems. I was like, okay, guys, like, make sure you click on this video link to, to watch kind of an explan- explanation video before you jump in. Okay? Everybody just watch the video. And so they all click on the video. And it was actually a link to Never Gonna Give You Up. Yes, you rickrolled them! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I knew it was going that way. <laughs> and, uh... The whole class was like, what? And they were just like laughing and just they were so surprised, you know, and everything like that. And it was just a funny moment to like laugh with them. And then I actually directed them to the real link that would help them out with their assignment. <laughs> that's um, so good. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, Catherine, I just wanted to... Um, let you in on a little insight of how we normally run our episodes so we have a fun closing question and so our fun closing question for today is um very very timely and perfect for you my dear because it is on a scale of one to ten how spicy do you like your food (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh me and Anya are cackling over here and Ashley's like what I need to know (laughs) Okay, so I'm at a 10. I love <gasps> spicy food. Are you joking? <laughs> no, she likes it like a 15. Let's see. What? Yeah. Catherine, okay. Okay. Sorry, keep going. So there's a couple stories here, and I won't keep, keep you guys too long. You can choose which one you want to use. Um, but 
one time I invited Anya over for mac and cheese. <laughs> oh gosh. And I dumped half a bottle of hot sauce in the <sighs> Pur- on purpose? Yes. It was a crock pot though. That, I mean like it was big. Like it was Oh, okay, filling. okay. But like it was still the optics of Anya coming in and me <laughs> dumping like hot sauce in it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, gosh. what are you doing? <laughs> so that was that's funny. And then we also had this Thai restaurant we enjoyed a lot and they would like have this option for a spice tray. And Uh-oh. so I would order mine at like the maximum spiciness and then like dump spices on it. <gasps> so yeah. <laughs> is it is it the one in Marquette? Yes, Thai house. Great food. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> so Oh yeah. my that is I'm so shocked. I'm so shocked. Anya, what what do you like your spice level at? Uh like a three (laughs) okay yeah same I don't I like like a little bit of spice like I can handle a little bit of heat but like Catherine and I would go to um Taco Bell (laughs) and there should be like dumping five packets of Diablo (laughs) one taco (gasps) Catherine oh my gosh you must have a steel trap stomach that is (laughs) I just love spice I don't I don't know why, but man, that's I uh, no, that's good. Honestly, what a flex. <laughs> that is wow. Okay. We need to do this again. Um after we hang up, I would love to just like chat and kind of like debrief um yes. with you guys on the phone. Um but thank you so much everyone for listening. Yes, um, thank you. You can find the ANA podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or linked in our Instagram account at AAPod2022. Again, that Instagram account is called at AAPod2022. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a comment and review so other listeners who want to know more about Jesus can get connected and listening. And on that Instagram account, we post updates on when the next episode comes out every other Wednesday um, and Bible verses of encouragement. And we ask questions, um, which we will try our best to answer in the next episodes. So Catherine, thank you so, 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 so much. We've been so happy to have you on. Seriously. Um, Girl, come back on, please. Yes, I think <laughs> like, we're going to have real. to do another one. Um, we might have to ask our Instagram followers um, what sorts of questions that they would have for you. We could just do like a Q&A with you. Um, Catherine, so, yeah, Q&A. This has been so fun. Thank you so much, Catherine. Yes, um, thank you for having me. It's been so um, fun to talk to you guys. And I love how you're not afraid to like ask hard-hitting questions or follow-up questions like, uh, keep speaking the truth and keep having these discussions. Thanks, girl. Thank you, Catherine, girl. Thank Bye. You. See you later. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the A&A Podcast. Have any topics you'd like to hear discussed or questions you'd like answered? Find us on Instagram at aapod2022 or send us an email at andapod22 at gmail.com. Again, that's at aapod2022 and andapod22 at gmail.com. You can tune in to the A&A podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and find links to listen on our Instagram page or on our website. 
please leave a like and comment so that others can find this podcast and get connected to Jesus. May the Lord strengthen and guide you today and always. And we can't wait to see you on next week's episode of the podcast. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>